0: An innuendo fans, it is me, House of Wrestling's Nick Housman. and me, WWE Creative Issues, Robert Carpolis. Carpolis, Carpolis, Robert Carpolis, here with me, Nick Housman. <laughs> to start the week off. We are going to have so much fun here in a four day period. We took a three day weekend, uh, thanks to uh, Martin Luther King Day yesterday, uh, where we, uh, we had an extended time here. I don't know what it was like near you, Robert, but it is a frozen tundra here in Chicago, it was negative. 30 degrees with the wind chill here on Saturday. So uh, I hope everybody's been staying warm. We got some hot pro wrestling news to get to here today. We're going to be talking all about a bunch of former WWE stars debuting in TNA. Scapegoat Jack Perry. Chris Jericho failing to capture the AW tag titles. Hulk Hogan saving a woman's life. Wow. Cora Jade's injury. Brock Lesnar's impending return. Royal Rumble, and the Elimination Chamber updates. But let's start here with the big news coming out of Monday Night Raw. Of course, Seth Rollins was able to retain the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Jinder Mahal just wasn't able to pick up the victory. I know, shocking. Right, Robert?
1: I'm I'm floored, devastated. I really thought today we were going to be ushering in the Jinder Mahal era, Uh, I, I thought between that and Billy in the CW News, that was going to be our Tuesday. And instead, <laughs> neither of those might happen today.
0: No, it was, a, it was a shock, right? The Jinder Mahal was not able to pick up the win. I loved at the opening of the show, uh, there was a line about how Jinder was tired of the disrespect. And now it was time for him to have his moment. Well, uh, he didn't pick up the win. And Seth Rollins did not walk away unscathed either, as he was limping really hard after a dive to the outside. Uh, Pro Wrestling Torch, PW Torch reporting uh, that Rollins required several people to help him to the back afterwards. He was limping, eventually was able to put weight on it. The Observer saying now he's going to go have to get an MRI done to figure out where they're going to go from there. But bad timing here. We are so close to the Rumble. We are so close to Mania season. You hate to see a top guy like this. Uh, getting injured really throws a, a wrench into some of your plans, possibly.
1: Well, if Seth Rollins was limp, he can use promo code RUMOR at BlueChew.com. <laughs> but the 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 rumor of him limping right now kind of feels like they didn't have anything necessarily lined up for him for Royal Rumble. Uh, my initial assumption several weeks ago was they were going to do Drew and Seth and said they did that on that day one episode of Raw There is no clear immediate challenger to Seth, so there's always the possibility if he can rehab whatever he supposedly hurt, maybe he just sits at Rumble and he's just watching since he did just defend the title against Jinder. The other advantage WWE sort of has right now is they have an embarrassment of riches of guys at the top, and you can very easily shift things around a little bit, and if you can't get to what felt like a Seth and CM Punk match. You're teasing a Cody-CM Punk face-off at uh, Raw next week. You still have Elimination Chamber. You still have Damian Priest with the briefcase. You have Drew, who seems to be hitting his stride. You still have The Rock, who's floating around out there. There's a lot of potential opportunities. If, for some reason, Seth is unable to go, I'm sure we'll hear more about it. He finished the match. I think you said that he was able to put some weight on it after. So hopefully this is a minor injury and something they can work away from. If not, they do have a number of options.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you're right about that, where they've got time here as well, right? We have until WrestleMania. Um, he doesn't look like he has anything, you know, on the docket right now for the Rumble. We could, of course, be you know throwing a, a curveball here and something could be announced out of nowhere here on Monday night. But yeah. Uh, we got some time here to let Seth heal. Um, There's a couple things that you brought up um, that I want to kind of weave together here real quick. You brought up the the CM Punk Cody Rhodes face-off. That's going to be going down next week on Raw. This week on Raw, we had Gunther announcing that he's going to be entering the Royal Rumble match. He wants to get his uh, title opportunity, title versus title, possibly Seth Rollins here at WrestleMania. Um, And Brock Lesnar, according to the Wrestling Observer, he's expected to return very soon. Now, the embarrassment of riches really seems to be on the Raw side. Now, SmackDown very strong as well. But you look over at Raw. If Brock's coming back, Cody's in the mix, uh, Punk's in the mix, right? Uh, Gunther now in the mix. It's a lot of guys. What I'm getting at is it makes me feel like the winner of the Rumble is probably going to be a SmackDown guy. Because with all this kind of interpersonal animus between these top stars on Raw, that's your chamber match, to me, right? You're putting Cody in there. You're putting Punk in there. You're putting Gunther in there. All these guys who have you know, real claims to be made about why they deserve a title opportunity, I think it's way better situated for for the Raw side to do that chamber match than the SmackDown side.
1: I don't know. I think I, I politely disagree with you there. I think that the the person that most likely should win would be CM Punk's, and CM Punk's whole mission statement here seems to be, I want to main event WrestleMania, and winning the Rumble guarantees that. It then puts a lot of pressure on a lot of guys like a Cody, like a Drew, who just want any opportunity to get in there. Maybe that means Seth is defending his title elimination chamber. Maybe it means the winner of the chamber is going to face Roman, since Roman will not be in Australia. Right. There's also, I mean, um, Kevin Doubleday right here in the comments said, pivot to Sammy world heavyweight title match. Sami Zayn, a name that we're not even talking about. Jay Uso, a name we're not talking about. On the SmackDown side, You've got Orton, you've got LA Knight, you've got AJ Styles, but you also have like a tier right below Lashley, Sheamus, guys that you can heat up. We're only in the beginning of January to get to that end of March, beginning of April.
0: I mean, to me, it just feels like if you're going to do the rumble and you're going to go big here with rock Roman, the easiest story to tell is rock comes back and wins this rumble, right? You know, he can eliminate all these guys. It's a quick, easy setup, for him and Roman at WrestleMania, it's it's easy to follow, right? And again, the raw side, all these guys, they can they could go for the second bite of the apple inside the chamber. You know, this is their last stop to get to Mania to write that chapter or book, finish the story, whatever you want to say. But rock coming back to win the rumble, that's your
1: May Culpa, that's your your big moment there, I think. I I think that. If Rock is going to be involved in some capacity, they need to acknowledge whether or not he is going to be at the Rumble. Because if people start to think that Wayne is going to show up and he's not number 30, you don't want one of those Brian Danielson situations or Daniel Bryan situations years ago where the audience just eats up whoever winds up ultimately winning. At the same time, we saw that when Rock was in there with Jinder, he definitely looked a little tired. You saw a little bit of him blowing up. If you put him in there at number 30, that's the second year in a row where you're positioning somebody to go in, minimize their exposure in the ring, and then have them win. You don't necessarily want them turning on Rock, which it's Tampa. I doubt that that's really a major concern, but you never know.
0: Man, Rock coming out. You got Cody in the ring. You got Punk in the ring, Sammy in the ring, and Rock just one by one pitches them over the top rope, crushing their dreams, setting up this mega match with Roman Reigns. I don't know. I I, I see something there, but hey, the nice thing about what we've got at the moment is a Rumble that has a lot of interest, right? There's a lot of different people that could make the case. It would probably be the most interesting men's Rumble match to watch in many years just based off of how many people have really compelling reasons to come out and, and win the bout this time.
1: It's kind of the strongest thing that they've been doing over the last several weeks is giving a number of different people true motivations for what they're going to do in the Rumble. So even guys that we know are most likely not going to win, a Ludwig Kaiser, a Shinsuke Nakamura, you're going to want to see when Nakamura interacts with Cody. You're going to want to see when Kaiser and Kofi, because I'm sure whatever Kofi's big hero spot is going to be, is going to be built around Mm -hmm. that Ludwig Kaiser interaction. It felt like with the Ivar situation on Raw, that him and Tozawa might be set up for a moment right there. So there's a lot of fun little things going into the Royal Rumble as opposed to just here's a bunch of random guys and they all want to win. Yes,
0: 100%. And I brought up Ludwig Kaiser. Uh, He had a a real fun showing last night with uh, Xavier Woods. This is the third week in a row where they've kept this running between Imperium and the New Day. I love the callback to the chair shot, the office chair shot, I should say, where Woods threw it straight into Kaiser's face. The fans are just into this. I thought Xavier Woods looked really good, you know, Raw's are always a little long, right, with the three hours. But I have really enjoyed every time that Ludwig Kaiser and in the New Day and now with Gunther back in the mix. It's just I I perk up. I get excited. I enjoy those segments uh, on Monday nights.
1: I think those segments are working. I think the R-Truth Judgment Day interactions are working. Raw is finding a way for every single person on the show to have something to do. And it's not necessarily going to interest... Everybody all the time. Some of you might see Bronson Reed come out or DIY and go, "Eh, I don't really care, though. That DIY tag match was a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. Raw is finding its groove. It's a very long three-hour broadcast. It wasn't easy for them to do that with the weather. I know that they even acknowledged that the crowd was sparser than normal. They showed the piled up snow. And this is a post-Kevin Dunn era, unlike the Emmys. Who, for whatever reason, every time they cut to a crowd shot, all you saw were empty seats. Raw was able to really mask the fact that this was not a a sold out show, primarily because people just couldn't get to the building. Yeah,
0: it was, and like I said, it's arctic weather here in Chicago right now. I mean, everybody's feeling it. Weather's been bad. A lot of flights getting canceled. I was, uh, by the way, at GCW No Compadre uh, this past Friday night. Here, that card had to be changed up because of people missing. Uh, but we got treated to some some last minute um incredible action Nick Wayne subbing in for Jonathan Gresham him and Leo Rush just absolutely tore the house down want to give props to them of course Ali Gringo they were local so they were able to make it it was a great main event really good show uh,
1: go check out GCW do a compadre if you want it's available on Fight for the replay for the record um, it's 86 degrees here right now feels like uh, 90 it's 86 i might go in the pool after this I hate you so much right now. Um, All right. Uh, We
0: talk about everybody having something to do on the show at the moment. And, you know, that's probably because, you know, Triple H's vision is really starting to take hold. And one big part of that new vision is these vignettes. Now, if you've watched NXT uh, at all over the past many years, you've probably noticed they do these kind of more playful, loose style vignettes to kind of get over talent and, you know, hype up different storylines and things like that. Well, uh, Fightful reporting now with Kevin Dunn out of the picture, Triple H is leaning on the team put together by Jeremy Borash and NXT to do those style of vignettes and bring them to the main roster. We saw this recently with the Caden Carter, Katana Chance nightclub vignette. Uh, there was this really good vignette on Friday night SmackDown with, uh, Tyler Bate and Butch. Uh, that's got a lot of attention. Um, but just, uh, uh, pointing out a, a, a different change here in production. Um, Robert, obviously you, uh, You've been on this side of it where you've seen how production works at WWE. How do you feel about, um, you know, the shakeup here?
1: I mean, they're taking advantage of advanced camera techniques. I think the fact that these look more polished, they look like film. Uh, WWE has never shied away from the invisible fly on the wall. It makes no sense why this is being filmed, but it's happening. I know Tony Khan has committed to if you see something on camera, it's because the cameraman is supposed to be there wwe you've played fast and loose with those rules so if you're already suspending disbelief as why is this being filmed at least make it look nice make it look different make it look unique i think that that butch vignette really really well done the caden and katana stuff it looks like a film when they when they have these these folks interacting. I don't know how much more intricate it is to shoot this, but I think one of the advantages they have, and anybody who's done production at WWE understands this, is you can film something, it looks amazing. Then Vince looks at it, something, some wild hair gets up his ass, and the entire mm-hmm. thing goes out the window. You got to shoot it again. I have a feeling that Hunter is a lot more specific with his overall vision, but more importantly, trusts the people that he's giving these assignments to, to deliver. And they seem to be delivering.
0: Yeah. And, you know, a part of the process here with these vignettes is really working with the talent to help them kind of get over their character. You know, one character right now that has shined to me, uh, you know, since Triple H has taken over that really would have never shined under Vince. I don't think under these circumstances is Ivar, man, that guy last night, he looked like a million bucks. I, I thought him Valhalla, the whole presentation against alpha Academy, the, the fluke loss and then the, the doomsday uh, moonsault afterwards, I thought, came across great. But the coolest thing to me, the whole the whole gimmick for Ivar right now, is that opener where they have that ghost ship that goes across the screen yeah. and then kind of trails off into the audience. It just looks so dope. So, you know, again, a Hunter doing a good job, I think, of working with these talents and letting them, you know, elevate these characters, show how these characters should be presented working with them.
1: And when they buy, when your talent buys in, you get the best out of them. And I think that's what's the most fun. My inclination on this Ivar thing, I thought we were going to get it last night. Maybe it's next week that Ivar does some splash off the top rope to Maxine, whether it's inadvertent or whatever. I think that moment right there, that's your motivation because they're doing the Chad Gable Ivar match. So look for that spot potentially. I think that would be a hell of a lot of fun.
0: Well, some bad news for Core Jade fans. At a live event over the weekend, she went down with an injury. Uh, the Wrestling Observer saying this is a legitimate injury. It sounds as if she tore her ACL, which could put her out six to nine months. She just got back. She just got back. Uh, she's been off TV for several other months. Um, she's uh, uh, inarguably a star, right? Has that kind of vibe, that it factor. Very unfortunate. She's having to go down with another injury right now.
1: It is. This might be a motivation to use her on television in a non-wrestling capacity for a little while. I think that put her in a wheelchair, have her be the second for somebody. I think that she generates a lot of interest. I think she generates a lot of heat. I think you just had her off television. You need to put her back on there in some way, shape, or form, because to your point, Nick, she is a major star.
0: Yeah, yeah, has that vibe. You know, I, I you know, she would maybe be better served in the uh, Shawn Michaels a uh, so uh you know assistant type role that ava rain has right now. And look, uh, man, I don't know what's gonna happen with Ava. That it is rough watching her try to play general manager over on NXT at the moment.
1: Well, they they do course correct. We talked about that with with Lexis King. So hopefully somebody's watching and adjusts and we get the best of what they need to be going forward.
0: Um the wrestling observer Dave Meltzer confirmed he was recently interviewed at length for this upcoming Netflix Vince McMahon documentary. He noted it should be out sooner than people had expected. And the direction of the piece, I guess, got dramatically changed. You know, we've heard a little bit about this in the past, but the original point of this documentary was going to be more of just, you know, a nice, light, fun look at Vince McMahon, the rise of his uh, empire and all that. But now, with all the hush money payments coming out and all the other allegations, I guess they're going to get into that as well. So look, uh, sign me up. I'll be watching this thing as soon as it hits the hits the old Netflix airways.
1: I'm curious what it's going to wind up looking like. I'm sure that Dave had no problem ripping into Vince. I, oh, he, no. He's never been shy about that. Uh, I, I've recommended the the Ringmaster book before, uh, which usually I have behind me. I'm in a different room today, so it's not there. But there are so many bizarre stories rumor innuendo about Vince for decades. And if this documentary was being made in conjunction with Vince, you're not going to get into those. But now that Vince is not directly hands-on, oh man, the the Nancy Argentino of it all is going to be fascinating in and of itself. I think that there are decades of potentially unearthed stories about Vince. And if Netflix is going for views, they have a massive, massive gem on their hands.
0: I'm wondering if they got any of the victims right. You know the you know we saw Dark Side of the Ring so powerful with that that plane ride from Hell episode. is hearing you know from that flight attendant, um, I wonder if if Netflix wasn't able to coax somebody out who's who was affected by Vince to
1: talk as part of this. I don't know what Laurenitis is doing, but it'd be <laughs> tough to mask him with a with a. I I don't know. I'm I'm going to be anonymous, but uh, I uh, I've been victimized. Uh, we, we love John Laurinaitis. He's the best, but yes, I think that a number of people have come forward. I think there was that, uh, paralegal, uh, who was working for WWE. It's very, very possible. I mean, I'm look, I'm down in Boca Raton. There were the, the issue years ago at the tanning salon here in Boca Raton that Vince was accused of some sort of malfeasance. Um, maybe some of the folks that were involved in the, in the steroid trial are, are around. Uh, there, there were some folks that talked in that Ringmaster book that I was surprised that they discussed the, uh, the, the, the ring boy scandal that wound up occurring. Uh, We're talking about some of the steroid trial issues. Vince's childhood in and of itself could be like a, um, I can't think of the hillbilly elegy, I think was the movie, but like Vince growing up in the trailer park and then, you know, conquering and usurping his own father and ousting him the allegations against Vince's uh, stepmother, I believe, are, yeah. are fascinating. There are so many different avenues that this can go down. And if it is not the, uh, the 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 Mr. Burns style, I'm making my own movie about how glorious my life is, this could get really, really dark and may give TKO enough ammunition to really push Vince off the cliff for good.
0: I'm sure they got Steven Spielbergo to direct Senor it.
1: Senor Spielbergo may be available. <laughs> yes.
0: Uh, TMZ... Has this article up right now um, about how Hulk Hogan saved a woman's life? Uh, They were coming, him and his wife Sky Daily were coming back from an event. This car flips in front of them. Hulk and his buddy jump out. Uh, Hogan describes having to stab the uh, uh, airbag with a pen uh, to deflate the airbag and help this woman get out. You know, look, it—it's what a—it's a little boy who cries wolf because like it sounds like Hulk did an actual very good thing here, but he has overplayed so many other stories in the past that you hear about this man saving a woman's life and using a ballpoint pen. You, you know, you kind of, Hey, how much does this make up? But you know, good, good deed seems.
1: What they don't tell you is that Brian knobs is the one who flipped the car and had the camera set up. So Hogan could go in there, leg drop, open the door uh, and, uh, and rip the airbag. Like it's one of his t-shirts. <laughs> it was a truly heroic moment for Hogan. Uh, it's nice to tell a, a Hulk Hogan vehi- uh, vehicular story that ends on a positive note. <laughs> Dude, I thought that's <gasps> kind of where we're at. Look, this this baptism has really rejuvenated him. Hell of a babyface run. Really excited for what we got in store for the Hulkster in 2024.
0: I believe that this happened in Clearwater as well, which is where Nick Nick's, Sla- you know, both the DUIs have taken place. So Hulk Hogan is basically the mayor of Clearwater. <laughs> that is true. Yes, there are stat- There's literal statues in his honor. Uh, just scattered about clear water. It's a fact. Well, um, if you watched AEW this weekend, uh, colli- man, Saturday night, you know, between the GCW show, uh, we'll talk a little New Japan here in just a second. You had AEW collision, uh, and Battle of the Belts, just so much wrestling on Saturday night that was blowing up my timeline. Um, <clears throat> A lot of people bringing up uh, the Chris Jericho situation still. Um, Really, that's all we're going to talk about here quickly in the AEW block. But yeah, him and Sammy did not win the AEW Tag Team titles at Battle of the Belts. The Callis family cost them uh, the championship there. There was a little promo on Collision beforehand where a lot of people think that there was a lot of crowd noise being popped in, piped in to overshadow whatever people could be yelling at Chris. Um, there's this internal document from the show that's floating around saying that they were taking signs that were negative about Chris. I don't know if this is a legit document. I've reached out to some people to find out about that. Um, but, of course, Chris did try to jump onto X and tweet out something about eagles and turkeys and, and an attempt to get back to social media presence. But it was pretty quickly, uh, they, they, they call it ratioed is what I was told. I had people hitting me up like that where he had to turn off all of his replies because, uh, everything that was being said back to his post was, was no good. So, uh, Hey, uh, look, this is, again, just doesn't seem like it's been handled well. still a lot of questions lingering about Chris and this whole situation. Following this loss, I'll be interested to see where they go from here. Chris has got his cruise uh, on the horizon and then the Fozzie tour dates. I I, I I, would say I would think he would be going off TV to, to kind of, you know, rehabilitate his image or try to let stuff die down. But they haven't done that yet. They've pushed straight through. So I honestly have no idea what to expect from the situation.
1: They might double down with it. It has been creeping up all over the place. I know there was a, a document supposedly circulating about mm-hmm. confiscation of certain Chris Jericho signs. There was the right. supposed piping in of, of crowd music. It looks like part of the, the tag match situation took place outside of the ring. It, it's an annoying story that will not go away and is continuing to to bubble itself up. And hopefully we can just, Move on to the next uh, matter here. I think AEW's handling of the Jericho situation has been bizarre, to say the least. But yes, hopefully he, he goes away for a while uh, and they reevaluate how they're handling this matter. But up until this point, it has been really, really just insane.
0: Yeah, very, very poorly handled. And again, I think the way it's being handled just brings up a lot more questions. And uh, again, we'll see. Uh, I don't even know what to predict about where this will go at this point, because again, I've been surprised at every turn uh, about how they've just kind of tried to push through this. Well, fans were also surprised uh, watching New Japan uh, battle in the Valley here this past weekend. Um, Jack Perry, former Jungle Boy, he made a surprise appearance attacking Shoto Umino. Uh He then tears up an AEW contract in the ring. He puts on this black armband that says scapegoat. I'm not going to lie. I actually kind of love this. I think it is the safest possible way you could have brought Jack Perry back into the pro wrestling fold. He's a heel. People can boo him, right? He can go get that heat. He can go get some experience working in New Japan. He doesn't have to deal with the brunt of AEW fans. And if he could find – use New Japan like NXT, find his groove, reinvent himself – I think this is easily the the best path for Jack Perry if they're going to keep using him uh, within the the realm of what they can do.
1: They have consistently uh, reminded fans of how poorly they handled the, the CM Punk exit, making Jack Perry the scapegoat, and then people go, well, why is he a scapegoat? Oh, well, because of X, Y, and Z, these things that did not happen on camera. It's not like Jack Perry did something on camera to justify this. It's a very insidery thing, him ripping up his AEW contract. It's not as though they have everything aligned right now and things are running smoothly in all elite wrestling where you can do a work shoot angle like this and people are like, oh, this is really fun escapism. It just kind of feels like another example of the train going off the tracks. And I don't, I, I think that the, hey, the, you the don't negative like this. outweighs the positive.
0: I don't, you, you don't like it. I don't this? like it because.
1: I don't because, again, he's a scapegoat. How is New Japan going to tell that story? Well, I'm a scapegoat because I was involved in a backstage fight with a guy who no longer works in AEW and is now main eventing WrestleMania, and here I am having to hide in another company because I can't appear on my own broadcast without causing further issue.
0: Hey, look, I, I just saying every look, this is this is the worst kept secret and pro wrestling is what happened between Jack Perry and CM Punk. That was, a lot of a lot of people know what happened about it. I don't mind this at all. I mean, honestly, you, you look, we just talked about the Jericho situation, putting somebody out there and not know like trying to fight how the audience is going to react to a situation. And it becomes even worse. I think you put Jack Perry out. You bring him back even as Jungle Boy in front of AEW fans. You're getting CM Punk chance, You're getting all that type stuff to bring him out in front of this new Japan audience who may not be as aware. And, and you know, he's just black sheep. He's a scapegoat. He's anti-AEW. I don't think you need to fully get into the punk stuff. I just think it's a great way to blow off all that steam, give him a chance to, to, to reinvent himself in a safer space. I do like it. I think it's great.
1: Well, time will tell. I feel like all the times AEW leans into work shoots, it always works out perfectly for them. So oh, really God. excited to see this not at all explode in their faces. Wonderful.
0: Well, uh, also New Japan, Mustafa Ali, who was in action here at GCW this weekend. He's coming to make his New Japan debut at Windy City Riot in April. He's going to take on Hiromu Takahashi. Uh, another big move for Mustafa Ali. And I will throw in here uh, a lot of former WWE names made their debuts at uh, for TNA this past weekend at Hard to Kill. Uh, Nick Nimith. He is now officially in the mix. He confronted Moose. He ripped off the shirt. He had the TNA shirt on. It was very dramatic. Dana Brooke, now ash by elegance. She appeared ringside during the Trinity versus Jordan Grace match, which, by the way, uh, also had Mercedes, Monet, and Bailey up in the rafters watching it, apparently. Uh, Monet also hung out with Cat Williams while she was in Vegas, like you do. Um, and then finally topped all hair. Uh, he made hair. He made his debut. He laid out Joe Hendry. Uh, this was the big show where TNA had to try to Make a statement, make some noise. This was the first one after they announced the relaunch. Um, credit words do. I thought the Nimitz thing came across great. Thought he looked like yeah. a big star. I, I it it made me feel like I, look. I'm not a huge Moose fan. That's not. I I guess his first match was with Zachary Wentz. but uh, I I thought the dramatic moment he tore the shirt. He he's he feels like the right guy for this moment for them.
1: I guess. Uh, it, I mean, it definitely worked in the way that it, it came across. I think part of the challenge is we just saw Nemeth in New Japan. So it's kind of diminished returns a little bit because his big reveal, his big moment, his big title that he's going after is the IWGP. I don't remember specific which and it's the new title. I don't remember the name. He's the glo-
0: it's the IWGP global heavyweight champion, the
1: global heavyweight title. And that is the single most important thing to him. And now here he is showing up in TNA and he wants the TNA world heavyweight title, which is the single most important thing for him. It just, it throws continuity off a little bit, but thrilled that he's going to get that opportunity. there. thrilled for TNA to pick up some great talents. little weird that Dana Brooke debuted as Tony storm, but Hey, okay. you know, she's doing her top dollar making the most of, the, a lot of ways, very unearned heat that he has. I think he's a really talented guy, really excited to see what he's going to do in TNA and looking forward to the spotlight being put on the, the TNA talent going forward. So could be a big win across the board. Um, happy for everybody.
0: Yeah. Did nobody see the the direct similarity between whatever this Ash by elegance thing and Tony storm is because I didn't even need to see it pop up on my timeline the first time I saw it. I was like, Wow, she's got the guy with him, just felt like the same gimmick. I was baffled, just baffling.
1: Well, I guess if you were going to do the Nick Nemeth reveal that we just saw another company do, why not steal a gimmick from another company? (laughs) There you go, good on them. Maybe there are people who are just TNA fans who don't watch anything else, like how Vince was convinced WWE fans only watch WWE, they don't know about anything else in wrestling. Maybe TNA has that same theory. There's just you know. (laughs) Impact Addicts. There you
0: go. All right, everybody. Well, hey, we unfortunately don't have time to get to Billy and the CW today. I know that we, we tried to make it work, but we have reached our half-hour time limit for today's show. If you like and Innuendo, a great way to show your support for the show is to hit up your favorite podcast platform. Leave a great review, a five-star rating. All of that stuff helps to lift us up the podcast charts. Uh, if you didn't, check it out yesterday on MLK Day. We did not have a live show, but we did release a Big Little Brawler special uh, featuring our great conversations with Ivar the Micro, Pinky, and Psycho. Tonight on Discovery, 10, 9th Central, uh, Episode 2 debuts, and it uh, uh, emotionally uh, traumatized Robert. Um, he was very unsettled by Episode 2 of Big Little Brawlers. There's your tease.
1: Yeah, uh, it's worth watching. It's got a hell of a cliffhanger at the end. It's uh, a very timely Cliffhanger, by the way, given everything that's been going on in the news uh, of late with a number of different people. Um, I also want to give a quick shout out and a congratulations to Paul Walter Hauser on winning an Emmy last right. night. Paul, uh, buddy of mine, huge wrestling fan during his acceptance speech. Not only did he shout out Matt Cardona, he also on the crawl on the bottom. They put like the people they thank. He thanked Diamond Dallas Page and he ended his speech by telling someone to get the tables. Paul Walter Hauser is a national treasure.
0: We should get Paul on the show. I also like Paul a lot.
1: Paul's awesome. We should definitely get him on here. I'll shoot him a message.
0: All right. Uh, I'm at Nick underscore Hausman. You can find me over at housewrestling.com.
1: And the man who lays down with ticks, Nick Hausman. And uh, on behalf of the man who lays down with ticks, Nick Hausman, that's what I meant to say. I'm Robert Karpolis. Best of luck in your future endeavors.